Welcome to the podcast of Eden Worship Center. We believe that God has perfectly revealed himself through scripture alone, and that salvation comes by grace alone, from faith alone in Christ alone, and that everything is for the glory of God alone. So as we study God's unchanging, inerrant word together, ask God to open your eyes, to open your eyes to see yourself and your own sin clearly. Open your eyes to see Jesus clearly. And pray that God would give you the grace to repent, to turn from your sin, and the faith to trust in Christ alone for your salvation. If you'd like more information, go to our website at edenworshipcenter.co. Good morning, everyone. I'm going to be reading Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. Hear now, church, the word of the Lord. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, For you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word, for the gift of hearing from you directly. God, thank you for the gift of being able to read your word in peace and not be afraid of persecution. God, I pray now that your word would penetrate our hearts, that you would grant us the gift of softness, of ears to hear. God, that you would make us respond to your word and to the message you have for us this day like Mary responded in saying that we are your servant let it be according to your word so father now I ask that you would be with Harold as he preaches give him uh, peace and grant him clarity of mind God to preach your word with clarity I pray this now in your name amen Thank you, Justin, for uh, reading the scripture for us, and especially for that prayer. The older I get, the more important clarity of thought and mind is. Uh, What a blessing to be together. I was reminded as Justin was reading this passage of scripture, and I say this to help us understand in context as we walk through this passage of scripture. As he read to us from the English version, 
we miss something that was actually in the Greek where she says, be it done according to me, your servant. She used a much stronger language. She said, I am your bond slave. Now understand something about what it meant to be a bond servant. People, servanthood, slavery, we tend to define based on our American history and that understanding. But there was such a thing that there was a bond servant who was sold into servitude because of debts or for whatever reason, and at the end of that period of time, would go to their master and basically say, if I can put it in the Gingrich translation, I love being part of your household. I want to serve you for the rest of my life. And they would go to the doorpost, and the master would take an awl and drive it through the earlobe of that individual and make a hole, not only in that earlobe, but there would be a corresponding hole in the doorpost. And that person was voluntarily committing themselves to serve their master for the rest of their life. That's the imagery that Mary is verbalizing back to the angel Gabriel. I was reminded too as I was preparing for our time together that when it seems like our world is crashing down around us and nothing makes sense, in a cultural sense for Mary, this made no sense. Culturally speaking, how was she going to explain this to her family, her community, let alone Joseph? We all need to be reminded that God's universe never has been and never will be shaken. And today, in the nation in which we live, which is more divided than it's ever been in my lifetime, in a world that seems more out of control than we've ever known, where there is more suffering, do you realize there is more slavery in the world today than there was during the time of the American Civil War? We need to be reminded that the king is still on his throne. The Lord Jesus Christ is in control and nothing that is going on around us and in our world or in our lives has taken him by surprise. And I marvel as I was going through this passage of scripture, I marveled again as Justin read it for us, that in spite of her fears, Mary embraces the word of the Lord, she embraced faith. She embraced the impossible. She embraced God's word. I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know how this fits. I don't know how this can happen. But God, I trust you. And if there is a takeaway for us this morning, I pray that that will be a major part of that that we will come away with a subtleness in our spirit that while I don't understand what's going on in my world, I don't understand how everything fits together, and 
there are areas of my life that just seem totally out of control, I will rest in God. For those of you who missed out on the adult class this morning, uh, Destin and Jen shared a very interesting thing, contrasting the First Nations people in Northwest Ontario with how we look at things. We look at things, we define ourselves by work, by accomplishment. Now I'm paraphrasing here, you can correct me later. Yeah, okay, I was going to make a joke, but I won't. <laughs> we define ourselves in this way. They define themselves in terms of being. We need to define ourselves as believers in terms of being. Who I am in Christ, not what I do for Christ. Are you tracking with me in that? We can spend a long time on that. I want to point out several key things. Verse 27, if you have your Bible open. The angel Gabriel is sent to Nazareth. Verse 27, he's sent to a virgin. And I would suggest to us that that's multifaceted. Mary had kept herself sexually pure, but there was also a spiritual purity that was a part of that. And, and I, I would just suggest to us that the spiritual dynamic is really what brought about the physical dynamic. She kept herself spiritually. And, and we will point out some things a little bit later as she, her spirit just overflows in what we call the magnificent she is going to make reference to multiple Old Testament scriptures. Now that's an amazing thing because at that time it was the young men who were taught the scriptures, not the young women. So it speaks volumes about Mary and about her family and then also the family that she was going to establish her and Joseph about how it was bathed in the word of God. But she clearly knew the Old Testament scriptures, and, and I've thought about that because it just overflows out of her spirit after Elizabeth greets her. Here's a fill-in-the-blank for us. Faithfulness and obedience to God's word allows us to be in a position where God can not only bless us, but then use our lives for his eternal purposes and his glory. Now I want to make a note here, because there, there has been some teaching that has gone on in the church, I'm not saying this church, but in the larger church over the last few years, that if we don't embrace God's purposes in our lives, then God's purposes in the earth are going to be thwarted. May I say to us that God's purposes are going to be accomplished whether I'm faithful or not. God's eternal purposes do not depend on me. God's going to do what he's going to do even if I fail to obey and I fail to move in faith. Now keep your finger here. Go back with me to the book of Esther, chapter 4. I want to read you something here. 
I thought about this. Esther chapter 4. It's right after Hezekiah. That just went right over your head, didn't it? There is no book of Hezekiah. Esther chapter 4, where Mordecai comes to Esther, who God has raised up, placed in position as queen. And if you know your Bible, you know that wicked Haman, who was an Agagite, and there's a whole message in that, he was existent because King Saul failed to obey what God said to do. But be that as it may, there was this decree that was going to allow the genocide of the Jewish people. And Mordecai comes to Esther. Look at verse 13, Esther chapter 4. Then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther. Esther had just said, uh, get everybody to pray. Uh, my, my maidens and I are going to pray and fast, and you pray and fast. And, and he says, Mordecai says this, don't imagine that you in the king's palace can escape any more than the Jews. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise. If you have a, uh, that in your Bible, you need to underline that. Will arise for the Jews from another place. And you and your father's household will perish. And then he says these words that we are, are often used. And who knows whether or not you've attained royalty for such a time as this. God has put us in the position that we are in for such a time as this. But if we fail to obey, if we fail to walk in faith and obedience, God is still going to accomplish what he's going to do. It's not dependent upon me. But if I don't walk in faith and obedience, if I don't do what God says, then I miss out on the blessing. Are you tracking with me? Okay, I feel better now. God's going to do what he's going to do. Go back with me again to Luke chapter 1. Interesting thing in verse 28, this opening greeting. Now, now I've got this vivid imagination, and, and I try to picture what that scene must have been like. And we know from Scripture, great fear comes on Mary. And who of us wouldn't be afraid if all of a sudden an angel appeared? Just boom. Okay, I have to restrain myself because I'm having images of Ebenezer Scrooge and that, that's the wrong way to go. But look at the greeting in verse 28. Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. In fact, Gabriel's going to tell her twice, both in that verse and again in verse 30, that she has favor in the sight of God. Now, this is in the New Testament, but immediately my mind goes back into the Old Testament, into the book of Genesis, where it says that Noah found grace, and the word is favor in the sight of the Lord. My mind goes back to Exodus chapter 33, one of my favorite passages of Scripture, where God speaks to Moses and says, you found favor in my sight. It's an amazing thing. Favored one, one who is full of grace. 
reminiscent of Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 6, where it says that all who believe in Christ are said to be filled with grace. Let me just read that to you from the New American Standard, where it says, To the praise of the glory of his, that's Jesus' grace, which he freely, and the word means lavishly, extravagantly. That, that didn't come out very good. I was in, in great extravagance, which he has bestowed on us in the beloved. The beloved is Christ. It's the glory of grace which has been freely lavished upon us. That's divine acceptance, brothers and sisters. Something we didn't deserve and we certainly cannot earn. And yet in Christ, God the Father has lavished upon us through his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the grace and the riches of heaven. Now we don't want to take and run to extremes with that. But let me just say, our tendency is to go the other direction. That we are so paranoid that we're going to get caught up in the faith and the prosperity gospel that we settle for spiritual poverty. I'm not talking about financial aspects here. Are you you tracking with me? Do you realize who you are, and this ties in with what Dustin and Jen were sharing with us this morning about this state of being. If any man be in Christ, what does the scripture say? He is, what? A new creation. If you are in Christ, you are. You have a new identity. Your father, by the word of his mouth, spoke and everything that exists came into being out of nothing. What a heritage that we have in faith. That's a subject for another day. Again, notice in verse 28 and verse 30, Mary is told twice, it's a double confirmation, you have favor with the Lord. And the word that's used there for Lord is the one who is supreme in authority over all of the earth. I will tell you, it it, it helps me to understand that my father, who created this universe, is in control. To know, as the scripture says of of Jesus in Colossians, that all things were created in him, through him, and for him, and in him all things hold together. This world, this universe, would have been flying into a million pieces if the Lord Jesus Christ still wasn't on the throne and in control. And if his kingdom is not shaken, and if his kingdom is to have no end, why am I so stressed out and losing sleep over a stupid highway, a driveway, or road? I have lost sleep over that. Shame on me. I'm glad nobody said amen. Maybe that's because you've lost sleep over it too. 
Let's continue to walk through this passage because it is glorious in what's taking place. Understand that in the history of the universe, nothing like this has happened before. This is so outside of the box, as we would say. We, we are amazed that Mary can even embrace this reality and, and understand, most likely, she is a teenager. But what encourages me is that when God gives us a revelation, when God speaks something into our hearts, almost without exception, he will give us sources of confirmation. Now, look at the revelation, verse 31 through verse 33. It's a miracle conception. We know pregnancy does not happen by osmosis. And yet, this is going to be miraculous. It's more specific. You're going to have a boy. And you'll call his name Jesus. He will be the son of the Most High. Do you see that? In the original text, it doesn't mean he will be the son of the Most High. It means as the Most High. So there's a direct tie here to divinity. You're going to give birth to divinity. God who becomes flesh. God will give him the throne of his father David because Mary and Joseph are both in the lineage of David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. 2 Samuel chapter 7 Verses 13 and verses 16. God speaks through David. David wants to build the temple. And God basically says, no, you're not going to, but your son will. In verse 13, he says, he, that's Solomon, shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And your house, now it becomes personal to David, Your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. In Psalm 89, verses 35 through 37, the psalmist reinforces this. Once for all, I have sworn by my holiness, I will not lie to David. His offspring shall endure forever. His kingdom, as long as the sun is before me, Let the moon, it shall be like the moon, it shall be established forever. A faithful witness in the sky. Jeremiah 33, 17. For thus says the Lord, David shall never lack for a man to sit on the throne of the house of Israel. Now we know today there is no king in Israel. But we know King Jesus reigns. Amen. Again, I would remind us that Mary is a teenager. And to use the modern vernacular, can you imagine how this revelation would blow her mind? How can this be? She's old enough to know the facts of life. And it's clear from her words, not only had she preserved her purity and virginity, she planned to stay that way till she was married. Amazing revelation God gives her. But with that comes an equally amazing 
confirmation. Mary, this is how you're going to know. Because nothing is impossible with God. Look at verse 36. Your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. We don't know how old Elizabeth was. Matt shared some things about Zacharias and Elizabeth, and, and there's some confirmations in here, and I'm going to point out one here in just a second. Elizabeth was confirmation, and she was living proof that God could do the impossible. Now, they didn't have Instagram, Snapchat, and all this other social media stuff. And yet God speaks so clearly. Elizabeth, in her old age, is going to have a child. And it's a boy. She's in her sixth month. We don't know how old Elizabeth was, but she's known as the barren one. I love what happens after the angel leaves, and we'll, Mary just responds so beautifully. Verse 38. Mary says, Behold, your bondservant. ESV says, Your servant. But it's, as I told you, it's a stronger word there. I've chosen servitude to my master, who is God. Be it done unto me according to your will. I would say to us that Mary understood what was at stake here, she understood what she was going to have to face. Somehow, she was going to have to face the community. And being pregnant outside of marriage conceivably meant that she would have been stoned to death. She understood that. And yet she willingly embraces that. She agrees with God's word. She's going to have to explain it to Joseph. Verse 39, it's, it's almost a sense of immediately. This happens, the angel speaks to Mary, and the next day she's packed her bags. She's off to see Elizabeth. And put yourself in her position. You can't FaceTime one another. Aren't you going to want to go and see Elizabeth for yourself? Is she really in her sixth month? And Mary goes. And I don't know what it says in your translation, but in the New American Standard, it said she went with haste. She didn't waste time. She was going to find out, is this real or not? Is there confirmation? She goes right away. And look at what happens. She enters in verse 40 in Luke chapter 1. She enters the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it came about, and by the way, I'm reading from the New American Standard here. Came about when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cried out with a loud voice, Blessed among women are you, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how can it happen to me that the mother of my Messiah, your English translation says Lord, but the sense there is Messiah should come to me. 
For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. Now there's things in there that I, I, I made a note this morning as I was going over my notes again earlier this morning. Verse 45. How did Elizabeth know that Mary had gotten a word from God? The Bible doesn't tell us. And yet there is something in Elizabeth that knows, I don't know if God told her, I don't know what. It's one of those things in Scripture we are not told, but clearly Elizabeth understands that Mary has had a spiritual encounter with God and that Mary had embraced that word. Again, let me back up a little bit because there's an interesting confirmation of what God spoke to Zacharias in chapter 1 and verse 15. Where the angel of the Lord speaks to Zacharias about the birth of his son that we know as John, who most refer to as John the baptizer. Verse 15 says, For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will drink no wine or liquor. He will be filled with the Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. Now you have to believe that Zacharias found a way to communicate with Elizabeth all that the angel of the Lord had spoken to him and that he would, this baby would be filled with the Holy Spirit while still inside the mother's womb. Now there's a whole bunch of theological implications with that because we know from the Old Testament that the Spirit of God only came on people and it was for a specific task or a specific time. So there's something radical different here that we don't have time to get into this morning. But the word is that he would be filled with the Holy Spirit. Interesting dynamic. We can only conjecture that Zacharias had to tell his wife these things. So when Mary greets Elizabeth and suddenly this child inside with Elizabeth starts to go a little crazy with movement. She knows this is different from the normal movement of the child within her. And, and you know what, ladies, mothers, you understand the movement of a child within you in ways that men can't. We just think it's kind of cool when the you know, little foot or something pokes your belly out and we put our hand on there. It's like, ooh. But you understand that in a way that we as men never can and never will. And yet there was clearly something different that was happening here with this. I think it's interesting to know that the phrase Mary, mother of God, is never, ever found in Scripture. That is not a biblical terminology. But what Elizabeth says, it's the mother of my Lord, my Messiah. 
there is something prophetic that is taking place here that is very difficult for us today to really understand. And yet Elizabeth understands there is something monumental that has happened. And when nobody's told her that Mary's pregnant or about to become pregnant, and yet there is this Holy Spirit confirmation, God is up to something, something miraculous. I want to just begin to draw some of this together for us. Mary willingly chose to agree with God. May it be done unto me according to your word. I've thought about this. What if Mary would have said no? Now, see, we talk a lot about the sovereignty of God. So, you know, on one hand, we'd say, well, she didn't have any choice. Well, I don't know about that. But Mary's choice enabled her, embracing what God had said, enabled her to live and move in faith in spite of the gossip and the public ridicule that was sure to come. And there's a degree in which Jesus faced this. Can anything good come out of Nazareth and this Jesus? Yeah, we know the rumors about his birth. Joseph isn't really his father. Well, right, Joseph wasn't his father. Okay. Some of you, that just went right over your head, didn't it? <clears throat> she embraced it. I want to be careful in what I'm about to say. I am convinced that some, there are many times that we are so afraid of being accused or buying into the faith and the prosperity movement that we miss out on the blessing of agreeing with God. Please don't take what I'm saying to extremes. But there is something glorious when we come into agreement with God and his word. Let me give us an example. I'm thankful for programs like Celebration Recovery. I'm thankful for programs like Alcoholics Anonymous. But I'm deeply troubled by declaring, Hi, my name's Harold. I'm an alcoholic. Are you following me where I'm going here? There's something deeply troubling by saying, Hi, I'm Harold. I'm a sinner. Now, if you want to say I'm a sinner saved by grace, that's another thing. You see where I'm going with this? It is so easy for me to focus on my sin. In fact, I think of the Apostle Paul. This is just stirs in me. The older I get, the more it becomes real to me. In the early days of Paul's ministry, he says, I am the least of the apostles. 
because he's comparing himself to the apostles. Near the end of his life and ministry, he says, I'm the chief of sinners. Because he's no longer comparing himself to other people. It's only Jesus. I say all of that to say this. The older I get, the more I become aware of the wickedness of my heart and my sinfulness. Which means more and more and more I remind myself of who I am in Christ. Coming into agreement with what God says. I'm a sinner saved by grace. I am more than a conqueror. I don't live in defeat. Are you tracking with me? I probably opened a rabbit trail here. But what I want us to say is, see here is Mary's not moving in blind faith. It was a faith based on a revelation that she didn't ask for, but God gave her, based on promises with very specific confirmations so that she could stand in faith. And when Elizabeth says these words to her, suddenly you just begin to see in verse 46 her heart her spirit just begins to overflow. All of these things she's heard from the angel Gabriel, now she's coming and seeing, seeing with her own eyes, yes, indeed, Elizabeth is with child. And Elizabeth says, says these things, and now Mary's spirit just overflows. My soul, my spirit exalts in God, and my spirit has rejoiced in my, the God of my salvation, for he's regarded the humble state of his bond slave. And you just go through this magnificent, it's just an overflowing of her heart. What God has spoken is confirmed. I don't know how it's all going to work out. I just know God's going to do what he's going to do. And he's doing something miraculous in me. Oh, church, we need to celebrate the miraculous work of God's salvation in the birthing of his son into our hearts our Messiah who has taken away our sins. Doesn't mean we're perfect. But we're celebrating that. As I was preparing this message, I, I read one Bible scholar noted that there are at least 15 recognizable Old Testaments in Mary's Magnificant. There's no doubt it indicates so clearly how much of the Old Testament she knew and loved and were going to be a part of the home in which Jesus was raised. If you have cross-references in your Bible, you'll see cross-references, verse 47 to Psalm 35. You'll see down in verse 50, cross-reference to Psalm 103. In verse 51, Psalm 98, Psalm 118. You get down in verse 52, there's a cross-reference to Job 11. 53, Psalm 107. 55, 56, there are references to the book of Genesis. As I was preparing this, I thought of two things. I thought of what David says in Psalm, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. 
I thought about what's going on with our kids who are memorizing the scriptures and putting God's word in their hearts. I'll tell you what, it's a lot easier to memorize scripture when you're seven than when you're 76. And the importance of just building that into our spirits. So what do we do with a message like this? What do we do with a passage of scripture like this? Number one, I think we really need to embrace God's word in our lives. Can I encourage you, begin to do a study of what the scripture says about you as a believer in Jesus Christ. And you can start. If any man be in Christ, he is what? A new creation. That was a chorus we used to sing years ago in the early days of the church. I'm a new creation. I'm a brand new man. Old things are washed away. I've been born again more than a conqueror. That's who I am. I'm a new creation. I'm a brand new man. Some of you weren't even born when we were singing that. The point is, I begin to find my identity in who I am in Christ. That's not name it and claim it. That's coming into agreement with what God has said about who I am. And the more I do that, the more the Spirit of God brings that and stirs that in my spirit, and I begin to live my life out of that, rather than all the other weakness and failures. Here's the thing, whatever God has promised, whatever he's declared he's going to do, he will do. There's hope for the hopeless. There are times for all of us we feel like our life is such a mess. I'm such a phony. And I put on this spiritual face when I go to church. Now, if there's sin in my life, I need to confess that. But the reality is most of us live out of our weaknesses and our failures rather than who we are in Jesus Christ. And when I begin to embrace who I am in Christ, what he has done at the cross, what he has done through his resurrection, what he has done by his spirit bringing me into salvation, and I begin to live out of that, I live my life much differently than when I focus on my weaknesses and my shortcomings. I think of Abraham when God said you're going to have a son. And what is he, 100 years old? Scripture says in Hebrews that Abraham, though he considered his body as dead, beyond the ability of having kids, yet he had faith in God because God had declared it. We serve the God who makes the impossible possible. We serve the God who loves us who knows us better than we know ourselves and yet chooses to pour out his grace upon us. I love what the angel of the Lord said, and I want to close with this. Worship team, if you'll come. Verse 37. 
for nothing will be impossible with God. I love that from the Amplified translation. Let me read it to you from the Amplified. For with God, nothing is ever impossible. No word from God shall be without power or impossible of fulfillment. That's the God we serve. Remember what Paul writes to the Philippians? We're going to study Philippians here in a couple of weeks. I love verse 1, verse 6 in chapter 1, where God says, He who hath begun a good work in you, in you, in you, in you, in you, in you, in each one of us, he who hath begun this good work in you will to continue to perform it and bring it to completion in Christ Jesus. God is not like you and me. I'm very good at starting projects and then not finishing them. God always finishes what he starts, and he doesn't make junk. Stand together with me. Lord, I just want to acknowledge this morning that I feel like uh, this message has, has just gone in a multitude of directions. But Lord, I'm trusting that you, by your spirit, will take your word and make it alive in each one of our hearts in those specific areas where we need a word of encouragement. Lord, you spoke the most amazing, improbable thing to Mary, and yet she embraced it. And you did what you said you were going to do. Give us grace to embrace your word. I pray especially for those who are struggling because they know the weakness and the failures and the sins and the repeated failures of the past, and they struggle with that. I pray you'll give us grace this morning to embrace the truth of your word that because we are in Christ, we are a new creation. And the failures of the past do not define us now, neither do they define our future. Who we are is defined by what you've done, by your amazing grace. Our future is defined by your eternal purposes. Give us grace like Mary to embrace it and to trust you for grace to walk through whatever comes as a part of that. Thank you. We celebrate the gift of your salvation. Such a small thing as a baby. But we celebrate. He didn't stay a baby. But he rose. He grew. Gave his life on the cross. And rose in victory. And he is coming again. We celebrate not just Christmas. But we celebrate Easter. And we celebrate 
his return. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining our podcast. We pray that God would bless you and strengthen you through his word. If you'd like to find out more about EWC or give tithes and offerings in support of this ministry, visit our website at edenworshipcenter.co.